Emmett Ray once said, bringing countries together above their conflicts requires great minds and great hearts. Keep this in mind as we discuss today what are the core issues of the US-Russia tensions and how this may impact you. My name is Dr. David Wallalu. And my name is Dr. Ross Stewart. And you are watching Geopolitics in Conflict. First of all, we just need to let you know the framework under which we're going to do this uh, uh, discussion today, Ross and I, just for you to have a better understanding of what these tensions and the ongoing hypes between Russia and the United States are all about. There are usually three key topics that can define what this conflict is all about. Despite what you hear, the three topics are limited to economic, geopolitics, and believe it or not, domestic issues within the United States. And Ross and I were going to discuss each one of them independently just to provide you uh, that understanding you need to have. So. Do you want an even deeper understanding of what's going on in the world around you? There are many things that we can't get into here in these short videos. But on our membership at geopoliticsinconflict.com, we get into some of the deepest and most pressing issues happening in the world around you. There we have deep dive presentations where you can ask questions live, have conversations with us and each other on our private members chat. And we often have surprise bonuses just for you. So if you want an even deeper understanding of what's happening around you, check out our membership at geopoliticsinconflict.com. Let's start with? Economics. All right. Why not? As I was talking about before, mm -hmm. oil prices get at the pump. Mm -hmm. We're also looking at what Germany has just done with, with uh, Nord Stream 2. Exactly. Well, this one of the, the issues at the heart of this ongoing tensions between the U.S. And, and, and Russia over Ukraine. You know. The issue is not about Ukraine. The issue is about who will supply Europe with natural gas. And when it comes to Europe's energy needs, well, just for you to know, Europe acquires about 40% of its energy needs from Russia. That's that, a lot. Yeah, to translate that to numbers, and we will provide you a link to the, uh, where the stats are, uh, consider that Europe imports about 30 billion cubic meters of, of, of natural gas from, from Russia, while Russia produces about 300 billion cubic meters a year. So you can see why Europe depends greatly on Russia's natural gas. And this is what one of the dimensions of this, of this ongoing tensions has to do with this economics. Basically, what the U.S. wants, the U.S. wants U.S. energy companies to be the one selling gas to Germany or Europe for that matter. Well, you take a look at the efficiency of that and the price must be astronomically higher than what Russia is providing. Exactly. As a matter of fact, because the proximity. So, uh, and, and we'll talk about this Nord Stream 2 as to where this comes into this picture. 
but given the proximity be, between Europe and, and, and Russia, of course it's closer, <laughs> but also the price. Now, if the U.S. will sell natural gas to Germany, it will have to be about five-folds or six-folds. So, in, in common sense, who is in the right mind will be paying more for gas when you can buy it for a dollar instead of eight dollars or ten dollars. To put this into a perspective, the price of heating your apartment in, in Berlin, for example, mm -hmm. is about a hundred euros a month currently, which is pretty steep. It is steep, yeah. And you, and you say now, 500 euros? How unacceptable is that? And that's what it will be. And mind you, just for you to know once again, this is not only about Germany. Italy gets gas, Greece, UK. There are more than Cyprus. There are more than one <laughs> countries that get uh, uh, Russian gas. Why? Because Russia has an abundance of it. Yeah. So this is what an issue for that particular aspect. Then the second part to that is Nord Stream 2. Well, Nord Stream 2 was supposed to bring gas from uh, uh, Russia, of course, all the way to Germany, direct pipeline and the water, a project that was about uh, $11 billion. But as of yesterday, Germany decided to put a brakes on it because of one document. They needed one document to be approved by the German government to render the Nord Stream 2 operational. Without that document, it won't be certified. Basically, the certification of the Nord Stream 2. So Germany decided to put a halt on it. Do you think it was they were pressured into making this unreasonable move? Well, I think so. But also, it came as a reaction to Russia's recognition of the two regions in Ukraine, which is the Donetsk uh, uh, and Luhansk the two regions that are now independent. This is almost similar, uh, 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 almost similar, identical to what took place in Georgia a couple of years ago, when you had two separatist areas, the Abkhazia and South Ossetia, declaring independence as well. It's the same scenario. And this is where Germany is saying, under the current circumstances, we are not going to allow the certification of the Nord Stream to, to move forward. You know. They didn't say it will be a sanctions against Russia. All they said, we're not going to certify it. No. Isn't this similar to cutting off your nose to spite your face? Exactly. I do believe, and this is my personal opinion, this will pass, despite what you hear. Because remember, the West needs to show toughness oh, and all yeah. that stuff. This will pass. Because Europe is going to come to realize, uh, I mean, even your Norway, Norway, believe it or not, Norway can provide uh, uh, some gas to Europe, but it's not enough. Norway yeah. doesn't produce much, you know. What is you providing, you, you providing a, a 4 million cubic feet? Oh, uh, I mean, cubic with, meters. When yeah. billions are needed. When billions are needed. So it's kind of not going to cut it. So, And this is part of where uh, Europe now, it's like almost Europe at a crossroad, but this is one of the issues economic dimensions to this ongoing saga between the United States and Russia over Ukraine. Let alone, we'll, we're gonna, we'll talk about this one on the second dimension to uh, what the second part of this. Uh, is this the part where we want to talk about did Russia achieve what it wanted to? Yes, and that falls under the geopolitical dimensions. So as we said earlier, there are three dimensions to this conflicts that you need to understand 
There's economic, there's geopolitical, but also there's U.S. domestic politics. That's plays into this. So geopolitically, which is very, and if I am to put my geopolitical analyst hat, I can, I can say the following, is that the recognition of Russia of the two separate areas within Ukraine now changes the geopolitical dynamics on the ground for Europe. Because that's what it is. The bottom line to what that is. Yeah. Basically what it is, is that the Russian president was able to change the geopolitical dynamics without firing a shot. You know, as you and I talk privately, mm -hmm. I, have a, I have a very close friend for many years who just returned from three months in Moscow. Mm -hmm. And what this person said is that on the daily, on the local news every night, they're showing bombardment of Ukrainians into these areas. And they've already, they've already evacuated on any number of women and children because this is really a hot war zone. Yeah. Well, actually, I did facts checks information about this particular incident. Uh, that there were some shelling from the Ukrainian government towards the separatists, which is, when we say separatists, just for you to understand, those are ethnic Russians living in the Donbass area, which is on the eastern part of Ukraine. And we will provide you a map for you to see where these are, uh, this region. And within Donbass region, that's where Donetsk and Luhansk are located. So those are closer to Russia's borders. So there've been some shelling over there and, and, and I fact checked on it. Mm -hmm. So I did and I found that indeed they were, except that they won't report it in the Western world. So oh, that, shocking. Yeah, that's usually how it is. We all know this without going. As a matter of fact, when we do our di uh, deep dive for our members, we're gonna be detailing more and more on this. Uh, for that one. So geopolitically speaking, this is where you're seeing now uh, how those changes impacting what lies ahead for Europe, not the United States, because who will be impacted the most <laughs> of this, this conflict? Well, who's the closest? <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. correct. Hypothetically, if there is a war between the US and Russia, which I don't foresee, uh, who's going to be uh, hammered first? It's Europe. It's not the US. It's not Russia. It's not so, but geopolitically speaking, now this one changes the dynamics. Here is Russia, a nuclear power, okay, was able to change the dynamics without firing a shot. No. What does it tell you about the geopolitics of the 21st century, how it's going to be, maybe? Well, one of the things it tells me is that Russia has historically been a chess master. Exactly. And, and, and we all know the background of what led to all this. That's when Russia has provided or submitted its security requests to the West and NATO, but the West and NATO has not responded accordingly. So in other words, they ignored Russia's security concerns. And rightly so, because let's be honest about it. How would we feel? If Russia, China, whatever other country, start conducting exercises near the Gulf of Mexico, or near Alaska, or on the waters near California, how are we going to feel about it? Very upset. Yeah, and it's the same thing. So why are we having a hard time not, not seeing the logic and the rationale 
into why Russia is asking for, we want those guarantees. And this also falls back to, this is where history comes in. After the fall or the disintegration of the Soviet Union in 1991, the expansion of NATO moved all the way to Russia's doorsteps. And we will have a map uh, for you to see that. Is it any mystery why the Russians are fearful when we take a look at the avowed hostility that the United States has toward yeah, Russia? Yeah. Well, they are fearful for, for one particular aspect to us. Uh, as a former military myself, I will tell you that what they are uh, uh, afraid of is the installation of the U.S. Tomahawks missile in Ukraine, because those will be within range to Moscow. And that is what one of the concerns, it's a red line for them. Anyway, yeah. a whole Ukraine thing geopolitically is a red line for Russia. Now, in that case, I believe, and this is my personal opinion, that Russia will go to a war if ever NATO admits Ukraine to its members, as, as a member, which is not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Because here's the thing that most of uh, uh, Western audience do not know, is that in 2008, it was a conversation inside NATO. And this is not a classified, it just, you have to know where to look for the information. I was still uh, back in Washington, D.C. at the time. And it was a conversation inside NATO to whether, to whether consider Ukraine to become a member. Oh. And guess who objected to that? Two countries, France okay. and Germany. Interesting. And that's why it was never brought up again. Why is this important? Why is this important for you to understand or to know? It is important for you to know that how much the Europeans are concerned about their own security. And geopolitically, this is where the conversation starts in Europe about is it time for us, us Europeans, to have our own security architecture independently from the U.S. And when you take a look at the erratic demands of the United States, it makes sense for Europe to look out for itself. I don't know if they will be able to do that, Ross, or not. Really? Because you will think by now they will have done it. They're still depending heavily on the U.S. And why not when it's the U.S. that is paying for their defense? Yes, your tax money, if you happen to be an American uh, watching this. You know, it's our tax money. And when you consider the budget of NATO that is above 70% is financed by the United States. So why, the question becomes, like any, any American should ask, why are we paying for NATO to be dealing with issues in Ukraine that have nothing to do with us? Why our tax money is going over there? Well, maybe we can look at what this is doing domestic to domestically for us is it by focusing all this negative fear-mongering attention on the Ukraine, any number of things are not the top of the list in terms of we're being diverted, our attention's being diverted away from significant yeah. domestic issues. Exactly, and that will be the third element. And the third element, as we said, it will be economic, geopolitical, and U.S. domestic politics. And that's exactly the point, Russ. And what do we mean by this? Well, we mean the diversion uh, by the administration regarding, did we hear anything about inflation recently? 
I heard one estimate that that inflation might actually go to 25% this year. There's a possibility for that. I hope it's not true. But I, yeah, but but the fact that do we hear anything about inflation? Not enough. No, we don't. Do we hear anything about the increase in energy prices? No, we don't. And yet, when you go to the pump, you're noticing the prices. As a matter of fact, just to let you know, should the United States impose sanctions on Russia, which they will, it, we're going to be impacted as well, not just the Russians or the Europeans. You know, we will be impacted as well because we're going to see two things. More higher energy prices. Yeah. Okay. And some commodities, because you take an example. Do you know that Russia is one of the top exporters of wheat? <laughs> so basically what we're going to be noticing is that we're going to be noticing prices uh, uh, going up in, in, uh, here in the U.S. So could it be that's the other dimension which the administration is not talking about, but rather keeping up the hype on Russia-Ukraine uh, and, and that's uh, or Russia-U.S. tensions. And that is part of this issue because it's very important for us to understand. Uh, and the whole reason why we decided to talk about this one here is to provide you the framework because most Americans do not understand what these tensions are all about. Because all the media's reporting is, well, Russia is going to invade Ukraine. Well, wait a minute. Take a step back. You know, I had a real moment of shock mm -hmm. when looking at infrastructure. Mm -hmm. There is a particular bridge that I drove over several hundred times when I lived in Pittsburgh mm -hmm. that collapsed. Oh. And, and I said, well, there's only 1,200 of these things in Pennsylvania mm -hmm. that need to be repaired. I'm going, I could have been one of those people going over the bridge. And how much money is being spent in for Ukraine? To my knowledge, Ross, and uh, there, there are conflicting numbers, but the ones I am very familiar with, and the reason I say I am familiar with, because I conducted the research mm -hmm. when I wrote the book about yeah. Russia, it was about $4 billion that the U.S. spent on Ukraine. As of last month, it was a, a bill in Congress that was fast-tracked for a half a billion dollar in economic aid to Ukraine. So why are we sending our money over to Ukraine? Why are, you, why are we obsessed with this Ukraine issue when we have our own issues here? I mean, and it's a long list of very significant issues that are not getting taken care of, while trillions of dollars is sucked off of, to, to overseas misadventures. Yeah, exactly. And this is why it's important not for you not just to have the information, but rather understand it. That is the crucial aspect of it. So, and this is why we believe that those three elements that we mentioned, economic, geopolitical, and U.S. domestic politics or issues that is, those are uh, sort of the foundation on which the ongoing saga and tensions and hypes are built upon, you know. You know, especially from the economic one, as I always, I, I remember this one here vividly because it was always a fear in Washington, you know, and I will share it with you guys. It was always a fear in Washington that Europe might end up trading with Russia, which means <laughs> sideline the U.S. And there was always a, a fear with that. When we do uh, uh, our uh, presentation for our members, we're going to delve deeper into all this and provide some other information that is not revealed everywhere else. You know, there's a real context that all this fits into. Mm -hmm. I think a deep dive for our members would be really helpful for them. Exactly. 
the one thing that I want you to know is this, is that when it comes down, for example, to why this hype is all about, beside what we talked about, there is a saying in NATO. And the saying goes, keep the Americans in, the Germans down, and the Russians out. Oh! So, that, that, border, that borders on obscene. Exactly. And that is where things are regarding why this ongoing tensions is, you're going to be hearing a lot over and over and over, but if you don't understand what it's all about, you will be like swimming in a sea of, of bombardments of information that you don't know where to turn to. And that is the reason why we wanted to address this in general term, because we all know why we can't talk more details here, but we're going to provide this for our members when we talk. So, so anything to add, Ross, as we close this one here? You know, a question that, that, I, that I frequently ask myself is, mm -hmm. if I had control of the budget, how would I like to see the, our tax money being spent to serve the American people? Exactly. And we might leave that as a question for people to ponder. Yeah, and they're going to have to think. There's also one thing that is sure, is that all mankind should support peace for the sake of our planet. Absolutely. So, we hope you find this information very useful, and we look forward to seeing you next time. As always, stay informed. Till next time. Bye-bye.